Well, good morning. Happy Memorial Day weekend. I don't know if you're here just because you heard all the hype about the message or you got rained out at the, the lake and you're just like, I got nothing else to do. Let's just go to church. I'm just going to pretend like you're here because, man, Brad's going to knock it out of the park today. I just know. Uh, yeah, no pressure. If you have a Bible, let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Uh, let me set this up while you're looking that up. Uh, Acts chapter 2, by the way, Acts is uh, the story of the beginning and the birth of the church as we know it about 2,000 years ago. It was written by one of the followers of Jesus. His name was Luke, and he was a physician. If you don't have a Bible and you have a mobile device, go to corechurch.com. You can download the Bible there. If you don't have one, they're free. They're in the lobby for you. Uh, well, if you're here last week, then you know that I, and if you've been on social media at all this week, you know that I've been saying that this is uh, perhaps the most important message that I have ever delivered in, in 15 years of ministry. Now, I want to clarify something. I didn't say this is going to be the best message I've ever delivered in 15 years, but I do truly believe it's one of the most important messages, and it's one that God has impressed on me very, very heavily in, in a way that I haven't felt in a number of years. So I just want to ask if you would... Um, for the next uh, 30 minutes or so, don't get up. Um, your phone calls can wait. The restroom will be there. If you need to get up, I want to ask our host team, please don't come back in. Okay? I mean, if you, get, if you do need to get up, I know sometimes there is an emergency, so I don't want you to feel awkward about an emergency that you have to take care of. But if you need to get up and you need to leave, I just ask that you just remain in the, in the lobby for the remainder of the service because this is, I think, a very, very critical word for us in, in the church today. This, this came to me uh, a little over a week ago. I was at uh, the coffee house on Cherry Street, one of my favorite places to go. Uh, I heard a speaker say this uh, a, a couple of weeks ago. He's, he's Mark Batterson. He said, coffee plus the Holy Spirit equals awesome. I, I got to agree with that. That is it's good theology right there. So I'm at the coffee house on Cherry Street, and I'm sitting in front of this fire that they have. It's just a really cool place to hang out. And on my Fridays, many of you know this on Fridays, is a time where I just reflect. I spend a lot of time with God, just him and I, no distractions, just praying and thinking through where we've been, where we're headed as a church, even my own life personally. And, and I, I was just sitting by this fire and I just started thinking about fire and the essence of fire. And as I was sitting there, I started thinking about how uh, fire represents the Holy Spirit. And as I began to think through that, that's when the Holy Spirit began to speak to me, uh, speak to me very, very clearly, and, and led me to the passage of Scripture that I want to read to you here in just a moment. And this, it, this was so clear to me that it wasn't just something that the Holy Spirit impressed upon me, but He pushed on me. See, this series really wasn't supposed to begin today. Today was actually supposed to be the conclusion of our Relationship Killer series, but I felt God saying, no, you need to X that last weekend, you need to move that series up, and then, then he really messed with me when he said, I, I want you to take week four of that next series, and I want you to make that the first week of the series, and I'm all jacked up, I'm all messed up, I don't even know where I'm at anymore, and I'm like, okay, and so God says, this is what I need you to preach, and so as I began to dig into this and, and look at this passage of scripture in Acts chapter two, I want to just tell you, I, I couldn't get to Sunday fast enough. 
And this has just been pressing on me and pressing on me. And so I, I hope that in my prayer and our, our staff, Jen was saying this, the staff, our, our leaders, we have been praying about this day because we believe it's a very important day for you and an important day for our church. So let's, let's read this passage of Scripture and then we'll see what God wants to say to us today. Acts chapter 2. This is the birth of the church. Verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Let us pray. God, as we come to this moment of opening your word, it's a cherished gift that you have given to us. And so in this moment, we just prepare our hearts. I want to ask you, church, right now for you to first prepare your heart. God, what do you want to say to me? Help me to avoid distractions and let me just focus on you and pray for those around you. You might know them, you might not know them and just pray for them in front of you, behind you. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know their struggle. You don't know what brought them here today. You don't know the life change that God wants to do in their life today. But that's, what this means is we're all praying for one another right now. And that's a beautiful thing in the church. Everybody is praying for somebody, and somebody is praying for you. You don't get that anywhere else. You're not going to get that at the lake. You're not going to get that at the movies. You're not going to get this moment by sitting in front of the television over a cup of coffee. You're getting this right now. Somebody is praying for you. That's a beautiful thing. I ask that you pray for me as your pastor, too, that I be faithful, faithful to what God wants us to hear today. And if you're ready to hear from God, in Jesus' name, let's just give a big amen. Amen. All right. What would you consider one of your most significant defining moments? I want you to think for just a moment about that. What would you consider... Yeah, this moment and this moment. These were, you would say, some of my greatest defining moments. Now, we're in church, and so I know naturally you're going to think, well, of course, I've got to think about Jesus, and I've got to get something spiritual in there. And I hope that there is something spiritual that would come into that for you. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick one of those, and let's try to make, try to make it a non-spiritual one. If, if, you, if it is something spiritual, that's okay. But a, a significant moment. I mean, it was, this was big, one of your greatest moments in your life. What was it? Okay? Got it locked in? I want you to turn to somebody next to you, and I want you to take just a second, share that with them now. Go. All right, hopefully, as you shared that moment, uh, man, if you were sitting next to your wife, I certainly hope you said... Our wedding day, baby. That was it right there. If you didn't, come see me afterwards for prayer, okay? You need some help. If you're single and you're sitting next to somebody that's single as well, you could say, right now, baby, right now. This is my defining moment and yours. Wink, wink. I don't know. Maybe not. I've had so I mean, there's just so many defining moments that you have in your life. I, I remember two of them uh, specifically when I started thinking about what were the most defining moments of my life. The two of them involved phone calls. The first one was a phone call that came almost 16 years ago. And I got a call from the state of Oregon that my niece and my nephew 
had been taken into emergency foster care. And the call on the other end of the line said, uh, Mr. Farnsworth, we want to know if you and your wife would be willing and open to adopting them. My answer immediately was yes, but then I said, I'm going to have to call you back because I kind of probably ought to run that by my wife first, you know, like, hey, how was your day today? Good. How was your? Hey, we're adopting. I mean, that you just don't. <laughs> how do two kids sound? You know, you just don't throw that on there. My niece and nephew were a week old and a year old at the time, and I talked to Laura. We prayed. God said yes, and it's been an unbelievable 16 years. They're the joy of my life. The other significant phone call that I remember was uh, when I was in the radio industry, and I had lost my job, and I'd been out of work for quite some time, and I really needed work bad, and I got a job offer to go to Indiana, a radio station, a classic rock station in Indiana called me. It was a great job, great money, uh, and I said, yeah, absolutely, sounds great, and uh, so they were uh, bought the airline tickets for me to come up there and see them, and and so uh, I remember making the phone call to the radio station just to get the flight information. And I was on the phone and with the operator, and she put me on hold. And in between the time of being on hold and getting to the program manager, I just sensed that God was saying, no, don't go. This is while I'm on hold for like 60 seconds. I'm like, what do you mean no? And this guy's like, no, I just, you got to tell him no. I'm like, they bought the plane tickets, God. I mean, this is a good job. I need work, God. This is, I, this is the industry. I need this job. And God said, no, just tell him no. So the program manager gets on the phone and he's like, all right, here's your flight information. I'm like, a funny thing happened while I was on hold. <laughs> Are you familiar with the Holy Spirit or not? No, probably not. Uh, and I said, no. I'm glad I did because I would be delivering this message on a classic rock station in Indiana right now, maybe preparing to go to the Indianapolis 500, but no, God, I said no, and God placed me here. There are, well, that's nice, thank you. Thank you for the one person who prompt spontaneous applause there. We, we can look back, though, can't we look back and, and point to significant moments that change the course of your life. I, there's just these moments there, and, and some of them are good, and some of them are, are not so good. But a defining moment can change and will change the course of your life for good or for bad. So I began thinking, what is it that causes some people to rise to the moment while others falter? Because you can see people that go through an incredibly difficult season. One rises to the occasion, the other falters. We see others who are presented with an incredible opportunity and they, they rise to that moment and others, they miss that moment. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the life of Peter. And what I see in the life of Peter is I think there's five factors to every one of those defining moments. What I want to focus on today is this. Your greatest defining moment. We're going to look at the life of Peter and your greatest defining moment. I, I really believe that today is going to be one of the greatest defining moments in the history of our church. I don't know how to explain that. Only that God wants to do something very significant. And I also believe, though, that this is going to be the greatest defining moment in some of your lives today. See, for Peter, 
he had a whole lot of defining moments. A lot of great moments happened in the life of Peter. But there, there was one that was perhaps his greatest, and that happened in Acts chapter 2. So let's go back to Acts chapter 2 for a few moments here. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, and it says this. On the day of Pentecost. Now let's just stop right there. On the day of Pentecost. Now today, all over the world, Jews and Christians alike are celebrating Pentecost. Now this doesn't happen very often, but it just so happens that this year... Right now, all over the world, the Jews are celebrating Pentecost and Christians are gathering at the same moment and we are celebrating Pentecost. But we are celebrating two very significant, significantly different things. If you're not familiar with Jewish Pentecost and their, their celebration, it's a festival. It's a festival that celebrates two things. It's, it's the wheat harvest because it's the harvest season there. And so they have this big celebration of bringing in the wheat harvest. But more significantly for them, it is the celebration and the festival of the giving of the Torah. And the Torah is the Jewish Bible, the first five books of the Bible as we know it. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So they they celebrate the giving of the Torah. More specifically, it's the giving of the law or the Ten Commandments. You, You might be familiar with... The story of the Ten Commandments, if you're not, let me get you up to speed on that. So the the Jews, 400 years of slavery in Egypt, God sets them free. They go to this place called Mount Sinai, and they're at the foot of this mountain. Moses leads them out, and they end up at this mountain, and God shows up on this mountain. And he shows up in thunder, and he shows up with fire. And it is intense. It is so intense that the people freak out. They don't want to go see God. God wants to meet with them. He's like, I want to meet with you. I want to talk to you. And the people say, no, 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 no. Fire, smoke, earthquake, no thank you. Moses, you go. So Moses goes. He gets the Ten Commandments. God writes his law on these stone tablets, and he brings it down to the people and gives them the law. That's the Jewish celebration of Pentecost. For the follower of Jesus, it's a completely different celebration, much more significant. For those of us that are followers of Jesus, Pentecost is something that happened 2,000 years ago, approximately. 120 followers of Jesus were gathered in an upper room. It was the season of Pentecost for the Jewish people. And they were gathered in this upper room, and, and Jesus had said, I want you to wait. I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. And so for ten days, they're waiting, and they're praying, and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And then the Holy Spirit shows up with fire and thunder. Now, we see that, and we're like, man, that just must be, what was that like? That's just crazy, tongues of fire. For the, for the apostles in the 120, they, they understood, they got it. They're like, oh, this is kind of like Mount Sinai, but it's happening here. I mean, Peter, you got a fire thing on your head. You do too, John, this is crazy. Fire, thunder, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. God goes from writing on stone tablets to writing the spirit of the living God on our hearts. Amen to that. I can't even begin to imagine what that day, what it must have been like. 
Have you ever been to a concert with somebody that's a, that's a real fan? You're like, you're not really a fan. You're kind of a fan, but I mean, they're a real fan. Like, they were like camped out for the tickets, and they couldn't wait. And they got the tickets, like, I got the tickets, I got the tickets. And then you take them to the store, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I mean, they're just, they're hyperventilating in the car, and you're like, really? You know, they get to the show, and they're like in the seats, they're like, oh my gosh. And then, boom, they say they get so excited, they just freak out. You know, you ever been with a show with somebody like that? It's really, I have. My lovely wife, Laura. A lot of you don't know this about her. She gets up here and she's like, good morning, court church. All sweet and kind and soft and gentle. Take her to a rock concert. She is a closet rocker, okay? Example. Would you like an example? <laughs> Some of you don't believe me. Okay, so we go and see David Lee Roth. Um, the lead singer for Van Halen. That's some of you are like, what's that? What's Van Halen? Okay, I'll explain that later. But he's the lead singer of Van Halen. He was on a solo tour, and we went and saw him. And we're, we're in our seats, and, and, and the show begins, and this, this uh, boxing ring descends from the ceiling. David Lee Roth is coming down. He's singing Panama, and it's awesome. And I look over to say something to Laura, and she's bolting down the stairs running for the boxing ring. So I'm like, okay. So I run after her. I'm like, okay, whatever, baby. So we're down there, and, and, and she's like, put me on your shoulders. Put me on your shoulders. Okay. So I put her on my shoulders. Okay. This was, by the way, last week at the BOK. Uh, I'm kidding. What's the last week? Uh, so I got her on my shoulders, and she's like, Panama. And she's just bringing it. He, Fast forward a couple of years, we go see Shania Twain. Some of you don't like rock and roll, you like country. I'm telling you, she's a closet country rocker as well. So we go see Shania Twain, and we think the concert's over, and, and we're leaving the arena, and the music comes back on, and I'm like, oh, I guess they're doing something else. And Shania comes out on this platform. Four guys are carrying her through the audience while she's saying, you know, uh, what does that man feel like a woman, whatever that woman feel like a man, whatever that song is. And, and, and so she's singing that song, and, I, and I'm like, oh, man, I look to find Laura again. I can't find her anywhere. I'm like, where did she go? And I look across the arena. I am not making this up. And, and Shania, I can barely see Shania above the heads. And I see this one person jumping like this. This little five foot spitfire ball of fire jumping for Shania. She's like, I almost touched her. Have you ever been to a show like that with somebody? It's just great. I think that must be a little bit of what it must have been like here in the book of Acts with Peter and the apostles. One minute they're just chilling, they're just relaxed, waiting. The next minute it's like something, a a switch just flips on them and they bolt. I mean, you, you look at this passage here, I mean, you've got... They got, they got like tickets to the, to the promise. They got two tickets to see the Holy Spirit and they're just excited. So they're sitting in this upper room and they're just waiting. They're just anticipating for this moment. And then all of a sudden, boom, a subwoofer from heaven. You got flames that shoot up from the stage and the Holy Spirit comes out and goes, thank you. <laughs> this is just crazy. Crazy. Here's the thing, though. 
the difference between the concert experience and the experience that the, the apostles and the 120 believers had, this wasn't artificial stimulation. This was a supernatural transformation. Okay? Concerts, all that, artificial stimulation. Here, then gone. This one, we have a supernatural transformation that takes place in the life of these believers. And Peter was never the same after this moment. He went from ordinary to supernatural. One minute his life is ordinary, the next minute supernatural things are taking place. This is a guy who had 120 believers locked in a room for 10 days. They're a little bit afraid. They might get arrested, but they're going to pray. God said he's going to send his Holy Spirit, so they're kind of hiding out. Next thing you know, they're bolting out the door. The church goes from 120 to 3,000 in one day. Okay, that's supernatural. If you're new, that ain't normal. Churches don't grow that way. But it did on that day. Here's what I want to say to you today. You were not created for ordinary. You were not created for ordinary. You were created for supernatural. If you're a follower of Jesus, you weren't meant for an ordinary existence. If you're a follower of Jesus, you were meant for a supernatural existence. That's what was going on here with Peter. You go to Acts 1. You just write this down. You can look at it later. Read Acts chapter 1. It's a story we see where Peter and the, the, the 120, and they're, they're waiting. They're waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. They're, they're between Passover and Pentecost. They, they had... They had had Jesus and they walked with Jesus for three years and then Jesus ascended to heaven and now they're in this waiting period and and they're waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. They're between Jesus and the Spirit, between Passover and Pentecost. This is where I think many Christ followers live their lives, between Passover and Pentecost. You're stuck. You're stuck between Passover and Pentecost. They, they, they've met Jesus, but they're, they're living without the power of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that is available to all of us. Friday I was back at the coffee shop, and I was sitting around that fire again, and I was just thinking about Sunday and, and just praying, and I, and I saw these embers you ever been sitting around a campfire and you see the, the embers and they're, they're just, they glow and they're just, they're, they're beautiful. The thing about an ember is an ember will become an ash or it will become a raging forest fire. That's what can happen to an ember. An ember that doesn't get stoked, an ember that doesn't have the wind or oxygen blown upon it eventually just will become ash. But an ember, when it gets picked up by the wind, can, can blow out and cause a raging forest fire. Many of you today, many of you are an ember. You're an ember. You've met Jesus. You're, You're a follower of Jesus, but you're an ember. You're not a fire. 
There's no raging fire within you. And what the devil wants to do is he wants to come in and he doesn't want anybody stoking that fire. He didn't want you here today. He didn't want you to be a part of this. He didn't want you to hear this because this message isn't from me. This is the Holy Spirit coming to poke at you, to breathe upon you, to take that ember of yours where the enemy says, I want that ember to become an ash. I want the fire to go out. But that's not God. And that's not who God is. He wants to take that ember of yours. He wants to breathe his spirit upon you and for you to come alive with the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8. This is what Jesus spoke over us. You ready? Acts 1.8. It says, you. You will receive what? Let's say this together. You receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In other words, it doesn't say the pastor will receive power. It doesn't say, oh, the worship singers are going to receive power. It doesn't say, oh, your, your beautiful, sweet little grandma is the one who's going to receive power. It says what? You. Turn to the person next to you and say, you will receive power. Listen, God did not create you for ordinary. He created us for the supernatural. He wants us to live a supernatural life with the power of His Holy Spirit. Listen, how, let me ask you this. How, how, would you, how, would you describe, how would you describe your prayer life? Would you describe it as ordinary or supernatural? I mean, when you pray... Or if you pray, is it just kind of, yeah, on my way to work or I said a little something when I got up this morning because we were coming to church and about about my head when when they were doing the the prayer during this this time. Is that is that your prayer life? Is Is it ordinary as a follower of Jesus? Is it just ordinary or is it supernatural? Like when you pray, things happen in the heavens. When you pray. Something takes place. Miracles happen. You pray, God answers that prayer. Maybe not immediately, but He answers that prayer. You pray, and you don't get an answer, but you keep strutting your stuff in faith. How? The supernatural. You pray, you're not defeated. You're an overcomer. You pray, you're not depressed. You have joy. Is that your prayer life? Is it ordinary? Or is it supernatural? When, when you read His Word, when you open this Word, is it ordinary? Is it just maybe on Sunday when, oh yeah, that's right, I've got to figure out where that's at? Is it maybe when you're at home every once in a while that you maybe pick it up and blow the dust off of it? Is it, is it and then when you do read it, is it just kind of like, you know, I don't get it. I, I tell you why I don't read the word, Brad, because I don't get it. I don't. I don't. You're you're the professional. You're the one who's supposed to tell us what this means, and I read it, and I don't understand what it says, and it doesn't speak to me. Ordinary. Or is it supernatural? Like you read the word, 
And you're like, I've read that verse a hundred times. I've never seen that before. And it leaps off the page at you. And God speaks to you like, like you're just coming along and out of nowhere, you're just reading this God time that we have and it's the verse of the day. And out of nowhere, you're like, oh my goodness, that's exactly what I'm struggling with. That's what I'm dealing with. And God has given me a promise. He's given me a hope and he's resurrecting my life through his word. I read this and man, I come to life. It is powerful. It speaks to me. He speaks to me through this. I hear him. Man, it's crazy. Is it ordinary or is it supernatural? When you, when you come to church, is it ordinary? I just get there when I get there. I think they started a song. I'm going to get some coffee now and check my kids in. How much longer is he going to be talking? I mean, I came at Easter. When did you want me to come back? Is it ordinary or is it supernatural? Like where you can't wait to get to the house of God. You can't wait to sit in these seats. You can't wait till this band hits the stage. Not because they're amazingly talented, and they are, but because when they sing, you know the Spirit of God sings through them over you. You know why I'm not out there in the hall at 1030? You know why I'm sitting over here at 1030? The anticipation that the Spirit of God is going to sing over me as I sing to Him. I can't wait for that moment. Is it supernatural or is it ordinary? When it comes to serving, is serving ordinary? You you heard about our kids' ministry and you're like, somebody needs to step up and do that. Not me. I'm not good with kids. Heard that one. I've been a children's pastor. I'm not good with kids. That's an ordinary answer. You know what that says? I do it on my own. You know what that says? I look for myself. I look to myself to figure out what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do, and I don't feel called to that. Or I, I you know, I'm just not, I don't have that. You, you know what? You don't have it. You know what? When you have a supernatural experience with the Holy Spirit, let me, tell, let me just tell you about kids' ministry. In 2000, I was working at a radio station doing great. Having great success, helping in the church, out of nowhere, God calls me out of the radio industry. I have over a hundred thousand people listening to me every morning. Everything I could ever want. And I leave all of that for the back room of a school and 23 snotty-nosed brat kids. You really think that's how I looked at it? No. It was one of the greatest things I ever did. I loved it. I loved being back there every week. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm back here with 23 kids. Forget the 100,000. These kids could know Jesus. I want to be right here. Laura's like, Brad, you don't know anything about kids ministry. You're not even good with our own kids. I'm like, I know, but it's supernatural. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you. You come away from serving with a spring in your step. You're like, man, I just served the Almighty God. Is your existence ordinary or is it supernatural? See, the Holy Spirit isn't just given to us for us. He's given to us so we can impact the world. You you look at these 120 people and 
in this part of the country, we focus real heavily on that. Oh, they spoke in tongues. When's he going to talk about tongues? He's got to talk about tongues. You've been in church way too long if that's what you've been thinking about this whole time. We have a gross exaggeration and misinterpretation of that moment. What was God doing in that moment? It was the Passover. Excuse me, it was, the, uh, it was Pentecost. It was, it was the festival, the harvest festival. And all these Jews had gathered from everywhere, all across the area in regions, and they spoke all these different languages. And God pours out his Holy Spirit, and he's like, how am I going to communicate with these people? These people need to hear the gospel message. So what does God do? He supernaturally changes their languages so that they can preach the gospel in all their own languages. See, the Spirit of God isn't just given for me. It's given for others. It's given to make the world a better place. That's why we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you want to see people come to know Jesus, if you want to see God do things in your life where you can have impact on people, you need what they had, the Holy Spirit. When you have a supernatural life, you'll have unexplained miracles, you'll have answers to prayer, and you'll have a boldness like you've never experienced before. A couple weeks ago, we had Monica Bosef here. She's from Romania, and she runs an organization called Open Door. Uh, this is, we have a picture of her here. She was here and spoke at Core Community. What a powerful night that was. She runs an organization for sex trafficking in Romania. And her story is a, just a crazy, crazy story. She was um, a, a pastor's wife at a small little church, and just she considers herself and would say she was just an ordinary person. And she was working at a clinic and helping at this clinic. And then the clinic started taking in girls that were had been in the sex trafficking uh, industry. And then suddenly the doctors left, and then she was left with these girls, and she's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And she said, they began to pray in her church. What do we need to do? And God said, you need to start a rescue organization, and you need to start a shelter for these girls so they have a place to live, and you need to do that. And she's like, I don't know how to do that. Next thing she knows, God tells her to get up and go to the government and start knocking on government doors. She is a pastor's wife. She knows nothing about the sex trafficking industry, nothing. She has no shelter, she has no training, no nothing. She starts knocking on government doors and saying, hey, I'm going to start this, this uh, thing, and I was wondering if you maybe could you help and everything. Next thing you know, the government jumps in and helps her. The next thing you know, our government finds out about it. Our vice president goes to her shelter, tours her shelter. She gets an award from our government, one of the top ten like humanitarians in the world. How does that happen? Supernatural. Monica would tell you nothing she did. She can't take any credit for it. Her life went from ordinary to supernatural. This is what God is inviting you into. He's inviting you into the supernatural. He's saying you were created to just do ordinary things. I want to work through you. I want to open doors. I want to impact this world. And I want to use you to do it. So how does that happen? Prayer. Prayer ushers in the Spirit of God. Look with me at Acts 1.14. says this, they, they all met together. This is before the Holy Spirit comes. They all met together and were constantly united in what? Prayer. 
The Holy Spirit came because they were praying, they were seeking, and they were asking. When you came in today, I hope that you got a um, program, looks like this. And in this program, on the inside of it, we are launching seven days of Pentecost prayer. I really believe these next seven days are going to change our church. We're not going to be the same after these seven days. I really sense that, that God was saying that He was calling us to seven days of prayer and fasting as a church. So I want to put that out there to you. Will you join with me, our staff and our leaders? Will you pray and seek God over these next seven days and what He wants to do in your life, what He wants to do in our church, what He wants to do in this city? And I believe that if the people of God will do what these people did on the day of Pentecost, if we'll just pray... And we'll take the next seven days, whether you fast a meal, you fast a day, or you fast all seven days. But you truly see God, He's going to do something supernatural. We're never going to be the same. But here's what I really believe too. The Holy Spirit wants to come in power today. He wants to touch your life today. Today, all over the world, Jews and Christians alike celebrating Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. God wants to do something significant in your life this morning. Peter was waiting and anticipating, and this became his greatest defining moment, and that's saying a lot. This is a guy who saw his net so full of fish he had to call his buddies to pull him in. This is a guy who stepped out of a boat and walked on water. This is a a guy that helped feed over 5,000 people with a couple of pieces of bread and some fish sticks. This is a guy who went up on a mountain with Jesus and saw Moses and Elijah. But this, this was his greatest defining moment. And I believe this can be your greatest defining moment as well today. I believe that God wants to do what He did almost 2,000 years ago. He wants to come in His power. He wants to fill you. But to fill you, you've got to be emptied of yourself. You've got to be willing to lay your life down, your selfish desires, your ambitions for the cause of Christ. Whatever you want, God, that's what I want to do. That's what Peter did. Whatever you want, I want it. Fill me. That might mean you have to lay down habits. It may mean that you have to lay down sin. It may mean that you have to lay down your selfish, centered, self-centeredness and your conceited things within you that are corrupting you, greed, lust, whatever it is. You've got to lay it down today. But I believe just like in that day, the Holy Spirit wants to come in power. So my question is, do you want that power? You're tired of ordinary. Are you ready for supernatural? I'd like for you to bow your heads for just a moment. many of you today, you're stuck. You're stuck between Passover and Pentecost. And today, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to fill you full of His Holy Spirit. If you 
want that power, I want you just to get out of your seat right now and come here to the front of the auditorium. Just get out of your seat wherever you are. If you're a follower of Jesus and you say, man, I have this ember that I don't want to turn into ash. I have an ember that I want to be a raging fire. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you say, man, is that available to me? Yes. Yes, that is available to you. And you can receive that today. Listen, in one day, 3,000 people, Peter got up and preached and 3,000 people said, I want that. And if that's you, get out of your seat and come and get it. It's not, you're not getting it from me. You're not getting this from me. This isn't a ploy to get you to do something. This is about you saying, man, I want the Holy Spirit in my life. I don't want ordinary anymore. I want supernatural. Just put your hands out like this. If you're in front, just put your hands out like this and let's just pray. Just begin to pray. Ask God right now. I'm sorry. Sorry for making it about me. But God, don't let my ember turn to ash. God, fill me full of your Holy Spirit. Fill me full of your Holy Spirit. Just receive what He has for you today. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Just like salvation, you receive this by faith. You say, man, God, I desire to have Pentecost in my life. So lay yourself down right now. God, as your people, look upon your people right now as we pray and we cry out to you. Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Change us, God. Use us. Don't let this fire go out, but ignite it, God. I pray right now that your Spirit would blow in like a rushing mighty wind upon your people. That they would feel you, God. That they would know that sense of that fire deep embedded in their soul. That, man, yeah, God's got me. He's got me and I will never be the same. I will never be the same. I will never be the same. Fill your people as we cry out to you. We receive your spirit. Transform us and change us your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to somebody there and give them a high five. Man. Tell them, way, way to go. Way to go. Let's give God a big hand clap, too. Let's give God a hand clap. What a great day, huh? What a great day. Wow.